0: Hi, my name is Suti and I'm a PYP Curriculum Manager at the International Baccalaureate with responsibility for the Early Years. Welcome to the IB Voices podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Anna Van Dam and Catherine O'Connell, two passionate and experienced Early Years Educator, to hear their thoughts around concept-based learning in the Early Years and to share some of the tensions educators may feel when working conceptually with young learners. I'd like to start with a quote from the early years in the PYP to frame our conversation today. The IB has identified play as the primary driver for inquiry as it reflects the holistic and authentic way in which children explore, grow and learn. Play offers learners the opportunity to learn through multiple sensory experiences, which other forms of learning might not. Through play, learners draw on their existing knowledge and understanding of concepts to explore, think, test and extend their ideas about the world around them. Focusing on conceptual understanding helps learners to make connections to to real-life experiences, recognise and classify patterns, make generalisations, predictions and connections across their learning and transfer and apply understandings. So, to begin our conversation today, educators and others can feel that concepts and conceptual understanding are quite complex for young learners so can you describe what concept-based learning looks like in your context what are some of the ways children express their conceptual understanding and what would I see in here if I walked into one of your classrooms Anna I'd like to offer that to you first. Sure it's a big
1: question Uh, uh, Sue, what a, what a nice one. I guess you know, it would be logical to start with this idea that we write units and that the units, of course, are conceptually based. Um, but one of the things that we do in our school is, is that when we look at these units, that we also document sort of emerging lines of inquiry and emerging concepts. So although we have identified concepts um, before we start, we also acknowledge that through that inquiry, new things may arise. But I think one of the big things for us really is, is that we document children's learning um, during play and that we really see players inquiry and way is a way of making sense that that through those interactions with materials with each other with spaces we identify sort of underlying concepts so for example when children are creating these ramps an underpinning concept may be acceleration but of course it's also about you know what is this and how does it work so form and function come into play very often doesn't it So when we meet, we bring our um, documentation and we discuss this. So we look at our photos, we look at our videos, we look at our anecdotal notes and we talk about the children's learning. And through that, we really aim to link the children's investigations um, uh, to uh, certain concepts. So, for example, we've got this group of children who are really interested in and in how things flow. And we see this outside with water, we see it inside with sand. So, we're thinking this is definitely, again, about how does it work. There's also something sensory about this exploration, but also about causation, as the children are also thinking about ways that they can manipulate the flow of the water and so on. So what we do then is is that we use a concept map. Um, so we kind of map out these concepts with an online tool called Miro, where we make connections visible between certain uh, concepts, uh, and that really helps us with having this overview and having a look of how things how things are connected and how things evolve. But overall, I'd say, you know, find it that conceptual layer can be quite challenging. And I've noticed often teachers talk about the children's play often is in what they're doing. Uh, and it is more difficult and perhaps also subjective, right? To, to, to identify those concepts. Um, but I think it's having those rich conversations and, and building that trust among uh, educators that is so important that we're willing to discuss uh, you know, what we think we're seeing and what our perspective is. Um, so what we often do is, is that we use a thinking routine called I see, I think, I wonder as a way of discussing
0: the documentation that we share with each other. Thanks, Anna. Um- Catherine, what about you?
2: Yeah, I agree with everything Anne said, and that if we start from a point of belief that children are conceptual thinkers and that they're testing concepts and wondering about concepts all the time, then our job is a little bit different than being a traditional teacher. It's being a conceptual guide. And it's not really what we have to do, maybe, um, but I want to um, provoke you to think about what you have to stop doing. And a lot of times as teachers, we love to tell kids things. And I think instead, if we can stop telling and start asking, um, we're on our way to um, being conceptually based um, and not just looking for how our children conveying the knowledge and um, what they know, but how are they trying to make? I love what Anne said about making sense of the world. How are they trying to make sense? What concepts are they exploring? So, um, what has happened recently in um, my classroom? We, with my um, co-teacher, we're um, doing the "Who We Are" unit, and our central idea is relationships affect well-being. And over the course of the unit, we have collected sticky notes Um, because we're online. They're virtual sticky notes. And with the kids, we clumped the sticky notes from, you know, from reading a book, Wilfred, uh, uh, you know, Mem Fox's book, Wilfred McGordon Partridge McDonald. I'm getting the name wrong here. Um, And from all the activities, we collected the sticky notes brought out the concepts, and then did um, hexagonal thinking, um, putting the, the concepts on hexagons and having the kids talk about how they might connect, and I think that is a creative way to get, you know, the older kids in the early years um, talking about concepts.
0: Oh, I'm liking that. What, what, what I'm hearing from Anna is the the way that the educators are looking and connecting those concepts, and what I'm hearing from you, Catherine, is the way that that, that the children are doing it as well. Um, Anna, sorry. Yeah. Let- and I think that is
1: important, right, that we build um, over time a children's understanding of what concepts are. So I think it also starts with, it kind of connects with that question of, you know, what would I see in here if I walked into one of your classrooms? kind of the conversations that we have with children where we, we, we use the concept. So, for example, we might say things like, oh, you're thinking about responsibility or you're thinking about roles or, oh, you're creating a system. And I think it's in that language that we've noticed that um, children, by the use of that language, we've noticed that children start using that language as well. So we often reflect at the end of a playtime and in the beginning, we often have conversations around you. What are you inquiring into? What are you thinking about? But as the year progresses, we've noticed that children start using uh, language as I'm making a connection between or I've been thinking about families or I've been thinking about. So the children in their language start to show the fact that they do understand concepts. Sometimes um, it's that modeling that you need to do first before they they
2: understand what that is. And can I add to that, Anna? Um, I often think of it as naming noticing and exploring, but those three things can happen in any order, but if we are truly the conceptual guide, then um, we can be talking about the concepts we're thinking of, and that modeling does help children um, internalize it, and um, then they're able to more concretely talk about the concepts, and they realize that they're conceptual thinkers because you are validating the concepts that they are bringing out in a unit.
1: And it's the documentation that helps with that as well. Right? I often find that um, there is that sort of ethical piece with documentation where we have to check in with children. Like, this is what I think about your thinking, but what is it what you think about your thinking? And it's nice when you bring the documentation to the children in a meeting and talk about and and, and identify some of those concepts that um, yeah, they... they they can talk with you about what they think um, they're thinking about, which is uh, is powerful, I think.
0: Uh, I'm I'm loving the riches of this conversation, but I, I would like to just um, explore another another question with you as well, which are um, and we've sort of started touching on already some of the tensions that educators can feel um, in their role in concept based inquiry. So you know, who am I as a teacher? You know, where do I fit within that learning system? The different roles I have to take on. So um. Kate, perhaps you'd like to respond to that.
2: Sure, because documentation, observation, um, being a conceptually driven inquiry-based teacher requires that educators are vulnerable. And it requires that they are a co-learner with their students, which is different from the way that we learned as kids. And it requires that we suspend judgment. A lot of us are really good at coming in and seeing what's going on and going, I know exactly what this is and I'm going to do this. But we have to suspend that judgment and instead of um, deciding what's going to happen or what has happened, offer a deep curiosity and ask questions. So my advice to teachers are when they're feeling that tension is, "I, I know exactly where this needs to go, stop yourself um and um ask a question so it's a journey that requires that you are completely open-minded
0: I love that deep curiosity and that being vulnerable and that can be really hard actually and Anna what's your thoughts
1: yeah well first of all I love it too it's a beautiful phrase Um, well I often think that when we move towards a more child-centered curriculum that's actually a really complex process and it requires some really sort of complex cognitive processes that are involved in that process, I guess. And perhaps, um, I've mentioned it before, I think it really starts with really seeing and believing the child to be a competent person. So that means that we really have to go back to our own image of the child, our own construct of who children are, what their rights are, what their responsibilities are. Um, So, yeah, do we see young children as learners, as thinkers, as constructors of meaning? Do we see them as inquirers through play? And I think that that's really a personal journey, but that's where it all starts. And I think, you know, when we start seeing the child as competent, then I think, you know, we perhaps have less of, less of a tendency to tell, and we have more of a tendency to start listening, and we start engaging in really um, focused observations of children in different situations and in different encounters, and that we have to document those thoughts and ideas. We we're, and that's where we get to the documentation. We have to make this visible. Because it provides then future possibilities um, for us to either reject a certain idea or build on it or further explore it with the children. And I think it's also an opportunity to then think, okay, if this is what's going on, how can I connect that back to some of the learning goals that we've set for children? How does this connect with the skills, with the IB learner profile, perhaps perhaps very specific learning goals? But instead of sort of laying that out all in the beginning and being in control, you're going with the children. And of course, you've got that big picture and you know where you want to go, but you're more, yeah, Uh, responsive to what's going on and where the child's at in their thinking and where the group of children is at with their thinking so I think when we start listening and documenting, um, having conversations with other educators about their point of view, thinking about the best way to support these theories these curiosities, these fascinations, then um, we can start thinking about, okay, what kind of situations can we set up um, that help um, children to either deepen or extend or even perhaps confront some of their own ideas right So it's a very different way of going about something. Uh, I find often um, teachers and I know this is well intended, right We want to sort of be in control and we want to make sure that we do everything and that we cover everything and we we would like to have a plan. Um, but I think when we part, start um, looking at the children, we and and follow their thinking, then we stay more connected with them, and then then the inquiry process becomes just so much more powerful.
0: I'd say. I think it's really um. I'm not quite sure what the word is I'm looking for here. It's very powerful to hear two such experienced educators acknowledging that vulnerability that we feel and hopefully that's liberating um, for people who are listening That it's okay to feel vulnerable when you're um, engaging in this concept-based inquiry with, with your learners and that, um, that that idea of that deep listening is so important that Sunday back and the asking of the questions and always holding in our mind the image of the child as that, that competent and capable learner. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts around concept-based learning and exploring some of those tensions that educators might feel. Thank you for listening and be sure to check more episodes of IB Voices on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Join us next time for more insights from our students, teachers, educators and more.